Well, as we always say, every report from USDA has a surprise. Even when there's no surprise, that is a surprise. Based on the average trade guess before this week's WASDE report, this report was a bearish surprise. We've got a double dose of Coley and Kavanaugh this week because there's a bunch to talk about regarding the report, followed in the second half of the hour by some of the dynamics driving our current supply and demand issues. Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you each week by the very generous support of the Allen County Farm Bureau, who are hosting this year's annual State Farm Bureau Convention here in town at the Grand Wayne Center. And we have strong-armed the guy—I mean, uh, we've asked nicely that Coley and Kavanaugh would join me for a live broadcast of Midwest Ag on the final day of the convention. It's kind of our way of saying thanks for the support of the Allen County Farm Bureau. The date's on that, uh, December 14th through the 16th, so make plans to join us for that. Well, this report this week was a surprise. Uh, That's saying it lightly. David, let's start out with the numbers, and then we can dive a little bit deeper into things. Uh, Give us the basic numbers in this report. Looking at corn, the production number, is that a record? 15.234 billion bushels. The yield's up to 174.9. Can it get any better than that with all the acreage? And on the beans, 4.129 billion. The yield, 49.9. But what really, really makes me happy is from this year to last year, we're looking at the bean yield, 61 bushels per acre. In Indiana, that's up 6.1. Hey, you guys. You really grew beans this year. And on the corn, I'm looking on yearly comparisons, 200 bushels per acre. That's a new record. It better be. That's a 5.3, gentlemen. David, I got a question. What was the yield in Iowa? <laughs> the yield in Iowa, this is one year to last. It's unchanged on the corn, 200. And on the beans, Iowa, 58 down, almost one. My point is, I don't think this has ever happened before, but the Indiana corn yield was equal to Iowa. Right. And the Indiana beans exceeded Iowa. That's got to be a record in itself. Yeah, I was looking to point that out today. Uh, We have to be pretty proud of ourselves, number one. Number two, you know, we tried to check ourselves looking out the back door and going, man, our crops look really good. We're going, yeah, we're homers and we admit it, you know, so we're trying to pull ourselves back in. But hey, the numbers bear it out. We really do have some of the best crops. John, we talked right after the report, shared it on the air with everybody. And could this report have been any more bearish? I don't think so. I'll admit I was kind of shocked. We've been lowering the production the last couple of months. And then to turn around and raise it by almost two bushels an acre on corn is really shocking. Now, soybeans is no big deal. Soybean yield went up, but only by three-tenths. And I might point out that that was the most bearish November corn report in the past six years. But what doesn't make any sense, Rob, is that was a big increase in production because, as David pointed out, we had large yields on large acres, 95 million planted acres of corn, which was close to an all-time record. But the carryover, they increase all this production by 162 million bushels, but they only increase the carryover on corn by 45 million bushels, which does not make sense. They raised the soybean carryover equal to the production increase. They didn't do that with corn because they raised a demand. Now, how do you raise demand that much? They raised demand by 125 million bushels. That's 50 million increase in corn exports. What? Corn exports haven't done well. <laughs> Feed usage by 50 million bushels and ethanol by 25 million bushels from October to November. Now, 
you tell me that they missed all this demand in just one month? No, I think they're jimmying the numbers. I mm. think they're trying to balance things. I think they're a little bit afraid to come out with too big of an increase in the carryover. Some increase in demand makes some sense, but from one month to the next, to increase demand by that much without any reasoning to back it up just does not add up to me. So, David, you dug a little bit deeper into the numbers after the report. Does it, did you find anything that supports Kavanaugh's position? Yeah. One month like this to see it up that much. I do with feed usage up on corn, yes. Exports up that much, I really can't push that button right now. So I I have to you know offset it somehow. They did lower the average farm price by a dime in the corn from 495 to 485. No wonder the market sold off lately, and it has. But bean average farm price is 1290. They didn't change that a bit. So what the USDA is telling us is, hey, that lower acreage on the beans is definitely going to keep this price up. But the higher acreage, higher yield on the corn, oops. I dropped a brick on my foot. Yeah, well, there was a lot of people that wish they would have sold some beans in the hours just before the report because I think yeah, bean prices, weren't they at the highest in, gosh, I don't know, like seven weeks or something like that, David? Yes, that's true. The beans have really been coming back. Export news, very, very strong, as John had mentioned, especially from China and several other countries, too. Mexico's been a big buyer of corn. And I, I'll tell you, it just looks like really strong demand, but it's still got to look at lower prices on the corn before you can actually turn that around. You know, since we tested the 475 level, that really hurt. I now say it's going to go to 450, worst case 425. But again, that depends upon the weather in South America. John, oh my gosh, David, we agree. <laughs> John, uh, you know, you've been following that and you oftentimes remind us on the global market, but uh, U.S. corn still seems to be overpriced at a five-week low, as David is pointing out. I mean, and we're still overpriced on the global level. Yeah, it certainly appears that way. And export demand is still lagging for this coming year. And soybeans are too, but soybeans very well may catch up. China has been a, been a very aggressive buyer this past week of U.S. soybeans. And now U.S. soybeans are the cheapest in the world. But corn just is still lagging. And that tells me, and it scares me a little bit, the prices still have to go lower. That's why I agree with David. I look at the charts, they're bearish looking. I look at the fundamentals and given this report we just got, that's bearish as well. I think the USDA is somewhat overstating demand. And if that's correct, that means that these these prices are probably headed to that 450 neighborhood. In the short run, maybe a little bit lower. I don't really see them going below that. But however, lower numbers appear to be uh, in the future. Yeah. So let's talk about wheat for a second uh, before we move on. And uh, just a note for everybody, we're going to do a twofer with the guys today. We've got a lot to talk about. So we're going to finish up here on the WASDI report and what it had for us. Second half of the hour, we're going to talk about the other dynamics going on. David, let's talk about wheat, black sea exports, a little bit hinky, never kind of know what's going on there. But interesting part that came across my desk this week was about Russian wheat offers at $65 uh, a metric ton under the U.S. And it's like, right. how can you be wow. com competitive on the world level? I mean, come on. You know, if, if you're that low, maybe you ought to raise your price a little bit, right? No, they're trying to push out wheat like crazy from Russia, and they want the world to come to them to buy the wheat. And look what the USDA did to us on the supply and demand numbers. They increased the uh, supply by increasing imports of wheat. That's right. Are we going to buy wheat from Russia, guys? And then we also <laughs> look at food 
crude usage down four from 974 to 970. That puts the total domestic down four, of course, at 1155. But then again, as you look at the price, oops, it's down a dime from 730 to 720. And one of the things that you've mentioned lately in our conversations about wheat, David, is, is that I think a lot of people never realized it, that Argentina actually grows some wheat. And apparently with their weather turning to the good side, Argentine crop of wheat is improving. Yeah, definitely. So it came at the right time for them because they did see a very, very dry spring for them, which of course is our fall. But their wheat crop did improve on that. They kind of waited the last minute, but then they got it. David, this situation as you just described in wheat being uh, on the bare side, especially with uh, Russia having apparently a very large crop and being a very aggressive seller, that's negative to corn, isn't it? Yeah, that's also negative because wheat's a feed grain too, and uh, it would compete with corn. Definitely, John, you're right. All right, we're going to cut it right there and do the second half coming up on the backside of the hour. So stick around for round two with Coley and Kavanaugh. Coley and Kavanaugh made possible by support from the Allen County Farm Bureau, just like they support the National FFA Convention in Indianapolis with a lot of support from the Farm Bureau. Your local Indiana Farm Bureaus are supporting things like the annual Indiana Farm Bureau Convention this year, right here in Fort Wayne at the Grand Wayne Convention Center, December 14th through the 16th. And I'm going to grab Coley and Kavanaugh. We're going to be down there broadcasting live on that Saturday at the Grand Wayne Convention Center here in Fort Wayne. All thanks to the Allen County Farm Bureau. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. You are supporting the farmers that feed us when you do. So go online to it pays to be a member.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.